This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. State legislature. This is, this is it. So, in any case, Mark, this, Mark of Disonia. Republicans seek to take control of the House of Representatives. Republicans are going to retake both the House and Senate. A liberal MSNBC host warning Democrats about the potential for a red wave. Do we have any sort of canary in the coal mine type indications of where we may be headed on that front? Fox News is calling the Virginia governor's race for Republican Glenn Youngkin. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children, this well, welcome to Ruthless. I know everybody's getting ready for Christmas, as are we, but we got another good episode for you here today, fellas. We and do. I love how we kicked it off. That, like, whoever, if you follow us, if you listen to the show, identify yourself, hero who shouted, let's go, Brandon, during that Nancy Pelosi, like, outdoor press conference and just took over. I just, I, I just love it because it's like, it's trolling, but it's also just being ungovernable. It is. You know? It is. <laughs> it's like... Well, you don't. You stop putting up with their shit, right? I That's mean, here's right. the thing: that she gets behind a microphone and lies to you for 35 minutes with a big smile on her face, right? With like four or five surrogates who are going to lie to you about all kinds of different things, and like ultimately, just shout it down. There right. you go. Right? Just shout it down. It reminded me. But Duncan and I were talking earlier. It reminded us of that famous Ben Canop. Yeah, Boo Ben Canop. Well, we're here today in Parkwood. Avenue for uh, the, the, the street that my uh, mother actually grew up on down the street. <laughs> so this dude, this dude is like a, is a lib running for I think governor of, or uh, mayor of Cleveland or something like that. Uh, I think Columbus. It was somewhere in Ohio. Somewhere in Ohio. But this dude, he like he set up this big press conference to announce he was going to run. He would think he was like a member of the state legislature or something else. But he did it in front of this apartment building, and there was this guy who was standing out on a on a porch, right in, in an apartment right. behind him who knew who he was. Well, he, he, clearly there had been some sort of altercation with with this guy yeah. you know where they're 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 pulling out the um you know the the stage and the microphone and the media is arriving they hadn't cleared it with this guy <laughs> no and he he didn't enjoy that he was totally ungovernable my favorite thing about the ben Kanop clip and i highly recommend our listeners if you're hearing this you're like who's ben Kanop? go to youtube look this clip up you want the definition of ungovernable? I love it. This guy. And they spend they spend half the clip trying to rationalize with the guy and be like, hey, pal, if you've got problems, you know, come talk to the microphone. Or maybe I'll talk and then you'll talk. And it's like all that does is encourage the guy to troll harder, <laughs> which you, I respect so It's much. so good. It's so good. It was like five minutes long. I don't know. It was like, I want to say late 90s, early 2000s, but it was one of the funniest things. Boo anyway. Ben Kanop, liar. <laughs> liar. <laughs> Anyway, we got a nice episode. Um, let me start with something uh, a little bit more contrite, obviously respectful. Senator Johnny Isaacson had passed away over the weekend. For those of us who um, knew Johnny and had worked with him and his staff, he was one of the most absolutely decent human beings you'll ever meet in your life. He was a Republican senator from Georgia, and um, he ran the Ethics Committee for a number of years. 
He was amongst the most incredible men of integrity, thoughtful, appreciative. I think, you know, McConnell said uh, of him once he was a, if there was a, a vote on who would be somebody you admire the most in the United States Senate, he would win hundred to nothing. Um, just a, just a great guy. He retired in 2019 because he was having some, some extreme health issues, which ultimately got the best of him over the weekend, but his, uh, his legacy and, and everything he contributed to both the Republican party conservative movement and, and Georgia, I think it, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention. And a friend of the program, Luke Thompson brought up this great story. So he lived in the same apartment building in DC that Senator Isaacson did. And he said that, uh, one of the greatest compliments is no one in the building knew he was a senator. Yeah. Acted like a totally normal dude. Treated every, like a normal person. He was like, people in the building thought, oh, maybe he like works at the Library of Congress or. Yeah, he'd be in the basement doing his laundry. Yeah. You know. Totally he was normal. absolutely, and I never did this with him, but he was absolutely the only person that was a member of the United States Senate that you could walk up to and be like, hey, I've got this problem with X. Like, what do you think about this? And you wouldn't think twice about it. He'd be like, oh, no. let me think about that for a second. Just a very unassuming, incredibly good man. And loosen people before the holidays, you know, it's happened in my family. And so prayers to his family is, it's a tough time to lose someone Mm. right before Christmas. So, you know, lots of prayers to his family. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, fellas, the big program starts. Um, it is any good program starts with a couple of five stars. Yes. And I know we've got a couple to read here. Who wants to start? I want to do the second one. I love I love the name. I so can much. do the first one. Okay. Here. Okay. So from not Cheney, claim to fame. Fellas, can we get the claim to fame song added to Spotify? Really appreciate all the banger episodes recently. Smug. Will you be attending funeral services for the junkie horse? I would. If, if they have him, I absolutely would. <laughs> this horse, this poor horse, you know, it just, it, it wanted to perform well. It had medication. It was prescribed by somebody. And they take it away from it, and the horse, you know, tragically passes away. I think it's a lesson for everybody, you know. Don't, don't stop the medicine. <laughs> yeah, don't stop the medicine. <laughs> Go ahead with your second one, pal. Second one, I love this name. Keeping it Count Choc. Count Chocula. You guys are hilarious. I pee a little bit laughing every time you play the Count Chocula song for that commie. Keep rocking. That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, from Lucifer026. Uh, that Hirono soundbite almost killed me. Great stuff as usual, but the Hirono soundbite is a phenomenal addition to the long songboard. I cannot stop laughing at it. It fully encapsulates who she is and how desperate she is to need a bicycle helmet and a cork on her fork. <laughs> I'm just going to stop at that. It was fantastic, the whole review. The the whole review is fantastic, dude. Our fans are hilarious. They're so funny. They are. So funny. (laughs) All right, so here's the big news. The big news over the weekend was that on Fox News Sunday, Senator Joe Manchin, Democrat of West Virginia, announced he's not going to be building back Brandon. Oh, no. Uh, Oh, no. uh, So sorry. The filibuster's broken. Yeah, but... (laughs) Ah, the filibuster. It's broken. It's broken. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, he announced that he's not going to do it. He finally just put a, a stake in this thing. Can I say one thing? Who, who, who the, the biggest winners, not just the American people, but who, who the biggest winners of all are because of this? It's the listeners of Ruthless. Great. They, they were told 
this was the strategy. This is what's going to happen. I I broke it down. I explained to them. Here's how we <laughs> yeah. play this, folks. Smug, <laughs> smug. Yeah, I I mean, I feel like that's that's kind of ret- retconning. I believe Holmes did the heavy lifting there, <laughs> explaining all this because I didn't know what the hell we were talking about. Well, the important part, if you remember, and I think it was on. If you want to go back and listen, it was uh, it was episode ninety four, where we broke down. That was a, that episode was a banger. Yeah, well, at the time, there was a lot of consternation in conservative circles about breaking out the infrastructure piece from this build back better nonsense. Right. The hard infrastructure from the rest of this, like, Green New Deal and all this stuff. Right, right. So in the process of doing that, we basically just explained what the strategy was, which, you know, in retrospect... We're the only outlet of all of America, whether you're liberal or Democrat, cable news, podcasts, uh, newspapers or the like. Right. That took the time to tell you why it was that they were doing. Well, and I and I think that's important for one reason, Holmes, and that is like, you know, there's a lot of people out there who will tell you exactly what you want to hear all the time. Yeah. All the time. And there's there's obviously stuff that we talk about on the program. You know, people are going to get upset about. Yeah. You know, but that's part of it, man. Like you you have to take you have to take these crises like head on and have an opinion. And we did that, you know, six, seven months ago. Yep. You know, when people were like refusing to talk about it. Right. Right. And and also I you know, I don't want to pat us on the back too much, but I give us credit because before the show when we were discussing it and I was like, They gotta kill it. Like why why would you not just kill this? You know, I'm against anything. I, I, I feel we should oppose Dems on everything, but to, you know, to give us credit, we were like, "Hey, let's hash out Well, Look, I was I was skeptical of it too. You know, I mean, I I thought it was a a risk, you know, to 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 do it that way. But I think in in the long term here, it's actually, and not only that, like, look, it is totally possible that somehow you Chuck Schumer strong arms a bunch of people and the Biden administration accepts some concessions from Manchin and they figure out some way to get there. Yep. It's that's totally possible. Yes. But they have spent now eight months doing this. Yeah. Well, it, it'll save you trillions in the process. Yeah. Whatever they get to is not going to be the six trillion dollar <laughs> right, right, thing that right. they started. with. Right. Right. And right. the point that I made is that when I was in, was the chief of staff in McConnell's office and was just working in McConnell's office, when we were in a minority position, it's not enough to just figure out how to try to leverage your no, because you have a blanket no on big things like this. Like yeah. Republicans aren't going to vote for stupid shit like this. But when you're in a minority position and it doesn't matter whether or not you can affect the outcome with your no vote, you have to strategically try to figure out what leverage you have to prevent the worst from happening. And at the time, I explained that, you know, during Obamacare, the, the main goal was to try to make sure that you didn't have a single player health care system. Right. Which is entirely possible with 59 and then 60 votes. In then the 60. Senate, right. Like that was entirely. But so what we try to do was just message as hard as we could and try to cleave as many from the field. McConnell is like pretty famously good at reading people and what they need and what they don't need in these discussions. And his early read was that there was substantial support, universal support in the Democratic side and a significant amount of support in the Republican side for surface infrastructure. Right. Right. So the conversation would have been entirely about surface infrastructure. Yeah. It would have lost all of this discussion about the nonsense climate shit that they were dealing with, all the nonsense uh, tax stuff that they ultimately proposed. That would have all been papered over by this, well, doesn't our, doesn't our country need to rebuild its roads and bridges? Which, of course, they do, right? 
So, but by taking that piece out and dealing with that in a bipartisan fashion, you're left with just the spinach. Yeah. Right. You're leaving just a very ideological, progressive view of what America should be like. And it gives yourself a better chance at killing the worst of the worst. Yeah. So ultimately what happened is this whole thing played out is the Democrats got to a, a place where they were negotiating with each other for eight months. Yeah. Over this thing. And the end of the day, Joe Manchin has decided that he's not in on this stuff. Like it's too heavy of a lift for him fine but it also underneath it has put a whole bunch of other democrats in a terrible position right because they've they, they having pledged support for this disaster are on the hook for something that's ultimately not going to become law well you, you got AO, you got aoc and ilan omar out there yesterday or or the day before on on, on twitter saying leadership has to explain this yeah be, be, because the progressives in the house agreed to the bifurcation past the surface infrastructure under the guarantee we're also going to pass bbb yep oh uh, so this, this oh is, no also in hindsight i gotta give credit to it kind of seems to me that when mitch gave him like an extension like you can have more time to play with this it was kind of like he was like play bore on the floor like, right, 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 right. Yourselves. right. We're going to give you more rope to hang yourselves. <laughs> well, ultimately, you have a thin hand, right? And this is this it is all about... it always is that way. And because it just extended the pain. Like, right. Th- not only was there more time where they're all fighting each other and being like, OK, we got to get Mansion on board. But now, I mean, look at this mess. Yeah. Like, in my opinion, AOC has no choice but to primary. Well, but that's just it, my opinion. It, it, it's tough to see. It's tough to see from the outside, and, and and again, I was sort of skeptical of the strategy. Admittedly, I'll take the L. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, same, same. Um, but Holmes, what would you say to the position that oh well, if we just would have kept it all in one mansion, would still oppose it? Well, the, the problem is is that in in any legislative conversation. You need to, when you're dealing with entirely opposition, you're talking about a Democratic vote. If they right. just hold their own, it's done. Right. Right? You need to let air out of the balloon over a period of time to make it make it appear, which it, it is in real life, but make it appear as though reasonable things can happen. Right. The unreasonable stuff cannot. Because the backdrop of all of this is like, are they going to blow up the filibuster? Right. Right? Like, like you have to demonstrate through a project that you can accomplish something in the United States Senate. Right, which they did. Yes. Without that, and I think without a conversation that lets some air out of the balloon as you go, if it was one constant stalemate, you would all you would have done is pull all of the Democrats together in a warpath footing. Yeah. Right? Mm. And the likelihood of them sticking together and passing in block things that they don't fully agree with just simply because of this obstinate Republican opposition is much higher. Yeah. Right. I'm not making any guarantees about what they ultimately would have voted for or voted against, but your chance of success is substantially. That's that's a good point because I've seen, you know, oftentimes in the past, Dems will play the whole like Republicans are just being obstinate and blocking, and that shit ends up polling. It ends up catching. But the fact that like now they can all the Dems we have we have them in a situation where all the Dems are going after Mansion, if not the entire Senate. They may right. drive him right into the Republican Party. I mean, Lord knows he's had many opportunities to switch parties. He's never taken one of those opportunities. I have long maintained that if Joe Manchin ever becomes anything but a Democrat, it's because they kick his ass out. Yeah. It's not because of Republicans providing any sort of 
you know, on ramp. They've done that from the very beginning and he's refused to take it. But Democrats are now in a situ- situation where they're outwardly saying on the record they don't want him. Yeah. Right? So he's starting to act a little bit more like a Republican. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> and the more of that, the better, because we're dealing with a 50-50 Senate. Ultimately, I think here, like to wrap this up, I think what you need to think about from a standpoint of somebody who's really interested in politics, who watches this stuff on a daily basis is that strategy matters, mm-hmm. right? Strategy is super important. It never gets the headlines. Listen, you can't talk about it in public or it wouldn't be a strategy. Mm. You can't go out on cable news and explain to you th- that you're trying to like manipulate a situation because the manipulated right. will, will out the whole thing, right? Well, and, and I'm not and saying and what's also, happened here is like a manipulated mansion. What I'm saying is right. the things that he has been concerned about have been given one voice, and that one voice has come from the Republican side, mm-hmm. not the Democrat. Well, side. and the only other thing I want to say on this is, and I was skeptical again of this whole strategy, but I have to, again, and, and we work for Mitch, so obviously I'm biased in this, but I appreciate the fact the guy takes arrows for his caucus. Like, it's, and he's not out running a, he's right. running a, running a, a victory lap. Right, right, he's not running in front and taking a, a victory lap and, and doing an end zone dance. This guy goes out there and he takes the arrows and everybody says, oh, well, he's wrong and yada, yada, yada. And, he, and he's not going to put out a press release saying I was right and everybody else was wrong. No, he's going to go to the next vote. Right, because it's the only one that matters. Because that's what it means to be the leader of the, par- <laughs> of the party. Right. This is, this is what I also want to cover is there were some really wonderful tweets that we have to go over. <laughs> AOC says, quote, what we really need to do is crack down on the Senate which acts like an old boys club. Like, <laughs> folks, how many branches of government are, are like the Dems going to be like, this is the problem? To preserve democracy. Yeah, I mean, you, you have know? To, number one, you've got to pack the Supreme Court. Number two, Senate's got to go. It, it, it's great. So this is from Ilhan Omar. This is so much bigger than Manchin. When democracies are no longer able to address their constituents' needs and demands, authoritarians seize power. I've seen it time and time again, and ours was already on life support. You control the House. You control the Senate. You control the White House. And yet it's like democracy is just like also, on life support. They're also totally telling on themselves. They, they say author- authoritarians are going to be taking power. Also, we want to do authoritarian yeah. things. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, listen, folks, authoritarians could take power. So we got to control the Supreme Court. We got to get rid of the Senate. Gotta abolish the Senate to restore democracy. It's incredible. It's also, With a straight face. But it's also really incredible that these people have reduced, in the media, basically, has reduced opposition to one person. Right. Yep. When this is a 50-50 Senate, you uh-huh. have 50 Republican senators that are saying, hell no. There right. are 51 senators who are like, no, absolutely not. And then it's all on, oh, oh, this one guy from West Virginia can decide our face. No. And, 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 <laughs> no, and, and, and again, dude, all. smug, smug. And we've talked about this on the podcast for like eight, nine months that Biden's entire agenda acts like he has FDR's electoral mandate. That's right. And now suddenly a lot of people are starting to come around to that idea that there's a disconnect between their aspirations and the reality, right? Yep. But, but but we've all lived in this fiction for the last nine months or whatever where they pretend like they have, you know, super majorities. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, we got to dispel with this fiction, folks. <laughs> what we do, listen, what we do best on the program is to tell you what tomorrow's argument's going to be before right. it and why they're making it, right? Yeah. So last week we talked in some depth 
about how Democrats were on life support with BBB and they were going to quickly try to figure out how to get back to voting rights, which yes. they feel like splits <laughs> Americans into a million pieces and ultimately gives them their best chance to win when they're like minus 20 on a generic yeah. ballot, right? Yeah. So listen to this tweet from Jennifer Rubin. <laughs> oh my God. If Manchin's a no on both BBB and voting, Biden is done. Democracy is hanging by a thread. Hard to think of anyone more destructive. Like this whole democracy is about to die argument by the Dems. Amazing. Is insane. It's so, it's, I mean, it's straight up, it's such bullshit, right? It is. When you have, in, 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 in your elections, you've claimed total control of government. And to keep crying, oh my God, democracy is about to die. It's just such a tell that like, okay, they're out of cards. Clearly what they're pushing, the voters don't want. The message that they are left with is, oh my God, guys, democracy is going to die. And also everything is Trump's fault. Dude, Trump is living on a golf resort in Florida. You have <laughs> right. to blame this idiot who can barely finish a sentence in the White House right now. Right. Like accept your losses. Look inwards. The problem is not like, oh my gosh, why do 51 senators think our plan sucks? <laughs> right. That doesn't occur With to you guys? no attempt to try to persuade anybody That's of a, anything. Exactly. It's not about... Exactly. Their, it's, their attempts to persuade are like, what if we surround their car while they're trying to drive and right. like attack him? <laughs> I think that might make him like us. Democracy's at stake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the best. The best. But I, I mean, look, these guys are in a bad place. Yeah. And you're going to see Democrats get darker and darker <laughs> it's and get darker. Bad. Right? Because you've got a, res- a majority leader who's responsive to a potential primary challenge of AOC. Yep. Yeah. And he's run the Senate that way. Right? Yeah. It's been a purely partisan base. Like, he is as much to blame, as much credit as I would love to give Republican leadership, he's as much to blame for Manchin landing where he is as anyone. Dude, Schumer is saying he still wants them all on the record, that he wants to call a floor vote on this bill, knowing it will fail. Right. He's going to take every frontline Democratic senator who's up for re-election and put them in, in that 2020 place. and put them on the record. I can't wait. I can't wait. If we can schedule that once a day from now until November, <laughs> they, should do that. they should do that. That sounds absolutely terrific because there is no Republican. And let me just I, I heard some some concerns on Twitter from some of the minions about like whether Republicans would ultimately cave and change the dynamics or whatever. Let me absolutely 100 percent assure you. BBB is not something that Republicans will support ever, ever. It is against every piece. You cannot be a Republican in each shape or form and support the nonsense that these people are trying to do. First of all, if you can get over the taxes and spending, which most can't, incentivizing energy creation that can only be accomplished by giving money to China... That's it. ...is not something that, that most Republicans this is are like, interested th- this in doing. This bill... Was was a was a gift to two two groups, liberal you know very wealthy liberal donors on the coast who got their salt, and uh, it was to China who would be like making boatloads of cash for all these solar panels. They think the future is not American in energy independence, which we have lost since Biden closed Keystone XL. Let Putin have his pipeline. They think the future is let's just keep handing money cash or, or handing cash to China. And when, when, when Trump was talking about how China is laughing at us, this is what he was talking about. Exactly. Yep. He, was talking exactly. About, he was talking about a situation where you enter into agreements with in Paris agreements with European nations about how you're going to handle emissions. You exclude China from that. But the way of complying 
Is to buy their solar panels. Is to buy the shit from China. It's insane. It's It's insane. insane. It makes you so (laughs) unbelievable. Like, that's what they're laughing about. Yes. That's what they're laughing about. Like, let's not make this more complicated. This is not about an esoteric trade deal. No, no. This is about simple understanding of how the American economy works, what we have in the American economy that makes this place actually livable for Americans versus... It's just like pine the sky ideological thing that right. happens to offshore all of our resources to China. That's I mean, nail like, on the head. It, it's like paying the arsonist who burned your house down to rebuild it. It's yeah. Like, oh, a great idea. Yeah. Great idea. Fantastic. Oh. All right. So that's that's BB. Look, we're going to be talking more about this because, as Duncan said, it's not dead. But this is a major victory. No no question about it. And credit is is well-deserved for, for the, those who helped bring it about. Let's talk about COVID. Okay. Everybody's talking about COVID because here's the thing. It has now gotten to the point, seasonally, uh-huh. where it affects northern states. And once something starts affecting New York and the media corridor, that's right. it all of a sudden becomes a story that everybody's concerned about and you need to reshape and think about deeply. When it was happening to Florida with Ron DeSantis over the summer, it was just pure negligence. Yeah. In the media oh, oh gosh, it was DeSantis. But now that like you see Whitmer's, like their numbers are sky high. Yeah, it, It's been sky high for Whitmer for a while. But now we've got Omicron, which, like, the scientists say is not as, you know, hard-hitting, but far more infectious. Yeah, oh, so, no. but there's a gentle reframing yeah. that's right. happening. Our, our media protection racket is going to reframe the issue. Let's get it. Let's get it. The definition of cases is changing. <laughs> With a highly transmissible variant, there are many, many, many cases, for example, here in New York City. More than 20 states are reporting rising cases right now. Of course, that's the Delta surge and then the new variant on top. So with this inevitability about more and more and more cases, what's the better metric to be using? I mean, well, inevitability first. Oh, gosh, is an inevitability. so, So that was Brian Stelter. Okay, and this is a guy who works for a media network who has had a running ticker of covid cases under Donald Trump, this is a network that has spent an exorbitant amount of time blaming Ron DeSantis yes. for COVID cases. And now that COVID cases are in Michigan with Governor Whitmer, COVID cases are in New York. Now suddenly cases don't matter. Like what the more important metric here is, folks, look at them like in real time. They just shift completely. They shift like, completely. We, we said like nine months ago, we're like, it's about hospitalizations. It is not about cases. No. And especially, again, to reiterate, in, in, in light of the Omicron variant in which, you know, all the studies so far have shown much lighter. You know, people get over it much quicker. You don't see, you know, as severe as as <clears throat> previous COVID. We, we, we're, we're dragging the media to through the, two things. There's two things. Number one, uh, permanent COVID psychosis. Yep. Where where they refuse to agree with the science that we all on the program talked about nine months ago. Number two, the economics of their industry. And that is doom scrolling. Yep. Fear. Clicks. If people aren't scared, they're not clicking. And so now... Those things run against the agenda of their politics, and their politics is liberal. 
Right. Right. Because there's also no metric by which Biden has been more successful as Trump. None. Zero. None. Zero. Uh, like more cases, more deaths. Three vaccines. Three vaccines. They were handed problems. off to him. Also, like uh, we we we'd explain this. You know, again, our listeners are the big winners here. We'd explain this before. I want to break this down in a very simple, easy to understand way. The focus needs to be hospitalizations. Um, that's why Omicron's bad because it's the law of large numbers. If if more people are infected, even if it's more mild. The volume of people means we likely see more hospitalizations. Like 2% of 1,000 is more than 6% of 100. Right. That's the issue here. And and what really grinds my gears is, is the policies that this administration has put into place. Biden told us, I'm not going to shut down the economy. I'm going to shut down the virus. He has, he has done the exact opposite. Like t- today we're seeing the stock market getting the shit kicked out of it because – Apparently, it's become clear this administration has no handle on this. On the policy end... And and they had the benefit of a year of planning. They did. They had a year of planning. They, and the idea that you can't get tests? Yep. yep. What the fuck are we doing? Yep. But I also come back to this point where you're in power. You have access to information of all kinds, right? You'll get the world's experts to come to your desk and explain things to yeah. you. Yeah. Right? And sometimes that's divorced from pr- political reality. Republican and Democrat, there's rhetoric and then there's reality. Yeah. And the policies generally hewed towards the reality when you're a responsible individual. These folks made a determination coming in that they were going to follow the rhetoric, not the reality. Yeah, They were going to say that basically all things were attributable to Trump sitting behind the mere presence of him behind the resolute desk was the reason for the spread of COVID. And if you had a different set of policies, things would be much different in terms of outcomes, health outcomes, spread, economic outcomes, what have you. The economic policies that they put into place made things so much worse because they destroyed our supply supply chain, they destroyed the workforce, they destroyed an amazing amount of the way that the American economy works. In terms of COVID itself, they kept the same fucking message that they've had since the the primaries in 2020, right? They're still operating as though coronavirus is a novel concept in this world. It is not. And, no. And, and there like, are many coronaviruses. And, and like I said, like this administration, their policy approach is so backwards and ridiculous. It's, there's essentially two paths. So the first one is shutdowns, panic, school closures, cancellation. The other is actually learning from the... We've had like 18 months learning from the past, knowing, okay, don't infect grandma... Get tested if you have symptoms and use your head. But this administration clearly hasn't learned from any of that. No. Um, I want to say it was December 4th or December 9th. They put out this edict that any Americans traveling overseas have to take a uh, coronavirus test within 24 hours of boarding a flight to get back into the U.S. So here's the thing is, let's say you have Omicron and you're overseas and you've got sniffles. And admittedly, scientists are saying, oh, this is a very mild, you know, apparently right. you get coughs. They, they're seeing cases where it's like three or four days people will pass through the virus. He like there's something about Biden that he just loves abandoning Americans overseas. <laughs> like, what's the deal here? How is that like the solution? Is like it's easier for like someone to illegally enter this country and hell, they even get health care. You come right. to the southern border, they'll take care of you. Well, now four hundred and fifty grand if you go it, in there. The you go. You know? It is it, it, it exactly but for an American citizen. But exactly to your point, you're smug. Stuck, you're abandoned. Exactly to your point, smug. When Donald Trump was shutting down flights Remember from that? abroad. Remember that? Racist. Biden said it was racist. It was xenophobic. This is this is OG coronavirus. Yeah. Right? Delta surge. Biden 
doesn't have this edict. Nope. Now that Omicron, the most mild variant we've seen thus far, is spreading through the United States, now we have the edicts. It's ass backwards. It is. But but here here's where I think it gets more pervasive. Right? This is this is where I think it really it turns and this is the giveaway that Stelter gave is that perhaps there's another metric, right? Perhaps there's another. Like the metric we've been talking about for nine months. Perhaps it is outcomes. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Right? Isn't that wild? So, so, so wild. Okay, so for this avowed lib and defender of the Democratic establishment to now talk about perhaps 50% of the country plus many were right all along. And perhaps there was absolutely no justification whatsoever for keeping our kids home from school. Perhaps there made no sense at all to do vaccine mandates on people who are healthy young adults. Perhaps all of the policies that we put into place that have destroyed our economy and, and basically the fab, social fabric by which we live in were completely wrong. But it's not enough to take fault for that. No. Now it's time to just reevaluate. There'll be no fault. There, there'll, be, there'll be no one at CNN who says, you know what? It was actually our fault. We're sorry. We're sorry. We, we had that ticker, that live ticker of cases on your TV screen for a year. It's not our fault. We're just going to reevaluate. You know, and you see, and you see, look, there's been a huge uptick. We were looking outside of our uh, world headquarters here today, and there was a testing site just out in Farragut Square. There was a line around the block. Yeah. I have no question at all in my mind that there is an upsurge in Omicron virus and, and people are getting sick in, in record numbers. No question. But at what point prior to the pandemic would you see people doing that somewhere for a flu test? Mm -hmm. Would you see that? No. Or perhaps it's a result of what Brian Stelter and everybody else were doing over the last year and a half. So can I, can I fear mongering? I want right. to read a tweet from April 18th, 2020 from Brian Stelter. It says, I crawled in bed and cried for our pre-pandemic lives. Tears that have been waiting a month to escape. I want to share because it feels freeing to do so. Jeez. Now is not a time for faux invincibility. Journals are living this, hating this like everyone else. <laughs> just incredible. I mean, it no, would be it, like it is funny and I want to laugh at it, but it makes me so fucking angry. Well, it's destroyed lives. And here's the thing. Like, let's not let's not. We, we've lived their morality play for a, two it. years that's now. It. That's it. This two is, years that's now. All it is and now suddenly they want to put on put on a different mask yep. and tell you the cases don't matter. After they these people are responsible. They're they responsible are. after they spent. How much? 18 months demonizing. Yeah. Not just Trump. Republicans. Uh, the middle of America is to blame for all of this. Trying right. to create an outgroup by anybody who was unvaccinated. That's right. That's right. They didn't look at the data like we did. We broke it down by data. Isn't it They're incredible? They're creating an outgroup and, and punishing the people who have the least. It's unbelievable. One of the things that's been most incredible about all of this to me is that the so-called intellectual elite are not smart and they're not elite. That's, I think, the, the, the best outcome is we learned that the emperor has no clothes. It, These people it, are morons. It's actually the biggest group think of any point. Like, whatever you think about middle America and and how people live and, and everything, I mean, look, that's where we're all from, so that's what we speak to. But if you're an East Coast elitist, whatever you think about that, do some introspection and try to think for a second. When is the last time I've disagreed with conventional wisdom? When is the last mm -hmm. time... I've actually thought for a second about for myself. what these intellectual elites are telling me and thought, I'm not sure that makes sense to yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. They thought are the for most myself. conformist idiots 
that you'll ever see on the face of the planet. And they look at down at all of us. Everybody listening They're to this. They're automatons and they look down on us. They listen. They look at us <laughs> like we're the rubes. <laughs> Motherfucker, you're the rube. You're the rube. I want to also give myself credit because I instantly replied to Stelter and I said, you shouldn't cry. It isn't healthy for men. <laughs> I did my part. I tried to disabuse him of that notion. I love that. I love that. That's so good. So I, all of this culminated, before we get off of COVID, all of this culminated in a White House statement, which in my mind, I've never heard an American government speak to its citizens like this ever in my life. The quote is, we are intent on not letting Omicron disrupt work and school for the vaccinated. You've done the right thing and you will get through this. For the unvaccinated... You're looking at a winter of severe illness and death for yourselves, your families, and the hospitals you may soon overwhelm. That is so fucking insane. But you're just a piece of shit. I'll be honest. I'm, that there's is no other so way. insane. There's just no other. I wonder, I wonder deeply whether anybody in the White House understands how insane their comms department is for issuing a statement like that. Like, is there anybody who's like, man, I wish I had that back? You've called... We are we, we, we are intent on not letting Omicron disrupt work and school for the vaccinated. For the vaccinated. Dun, dun, dun. Con- creating the outgroup we have told you about for months and months and months. These people are lunatics. They're lunatics. Lunatics. And that and that's the that's the bottom line. We, we, everybody is conditioned by all of the conventional wisdom, cable news and CNNs of the world to believe that these are the people who have like sensible center policies. Yeah. Right. In the end, they're the lunatics. And, and like you look at the, the wording, the phrasing, they say uh, right after that, you've done the right thing and we will get through this. An like example. It's a fucking therapy session. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker, Dem senators, both vaccinated, boosted, both have it. It's like, you've done the right thing. They could have been transmitting it to people. We had those Texas Dems, remember, this summer that flew in and basically just spread Delta all through Washington, D.C. <laughs> right, right, right. right. So, so the bottom line here is when you're trying to create this outgroup of people to blame, there's a reason for it. And the reason is because you don't have the handle on a situation. Well, they don't, they don't have the handle in any, any shape or form. I mean, there is no permanent FDA commissioner. They're talking about this antiviral drug that Pfizer is, might release. There is no permanent FDA commissioner. Biden, the, the Biden administration says they're the only people taking this seriously, right? They nominated nominated somebody last week for this position. No, I mean, last they, week. they, they well, prioritized well, Count Chocula, right? They, they want Count Chocula. They want Dale Ho. They want people who are basically going to do the bidding of like left-wing mad, like <laughs> insane policies. They don't care about something like, you know, an FDA commissioner, folks. We only have a pandemic. They're going to say everybody get vaccinated and then also wear a mask and then maybe wear two masks and then pause J&J and actually it's the unvaccinated fault. And then it's Delta and then it's Omicron. And you know what? Actually, um... We only care about letting Omicron disrupt work and school for the vaccinated. That's it. That's it. That's, that's, it. that's, it. <laughs> that's incredible. incredible. It's just so fucking the, weird. The messaging is so broken. But beyond that, the fact that all they are trying to do, you know, here's the thing is I, I learned this, you know, from from a, from a, a, a great uh, boss of mine early on is when you see someone blaming in a leadership role, it tells you, number one, they don't know what they're doing. They don't have any leadership skills. They don't have a handle on the situation, and they don't know how to fix the problem. That's a, oh, God, that's a good point. That's a really good point. 
Well, and here we are. Uh, part of what this ramification has entailed is a, a real supply chain issue. If you're wondering why there's no candy canes around, well, it's because of these people, too. There you go. Uh, uh, New York Post reports. Weakness in peppermint crops for the COVID-caused logistical issues have created a problem for big candy. We only received half our candy cane order for the holiday season and sold out almost immediately. We currently have in stock. That's Mitchell Cohen. He's the owner of the economy. They got zero in stock. Unbelievable. In the holiday season. Yeah. This is Biden's America. Like, the war on Christmas is so real. That is. That's the war on Christmas. Part of the war on Christmas. I've got a stock for anyone. You know, anyone here, you're welcome. I got a stockpile of candy canes in my place right now. Let's go. Like, Christmas like, does not stop. I don't care what Biden wants. Obama tried to kill Christmas, and we fought through it. What a red-blooded American That's take. Good. I love I that. I like that. Should we do some animals? Yes. Always. So I don't know if you guys saw this. I saw it. I immediately sent it to Ajit Pai because you know how he does that thing on Twitter? It's like, good night, uh, boys yeah, and with, girls. With like, with, with like the thing that will haunt your dreams? Yeah. 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 It, it, so there was a Florida couple that found 80,000 bees behind their home shower. They were doing no. a renovation. That is such a nightmare. And they, and they pulled out the tile behind their bathroom and it was full of 80,000 bees. Removing the insects and the hundred pounds of honey found with them took more than five hours at the cost of more than eight hundred dollars, which is not covered by insurance. Yikes. Well, at least they got the hundred pounds of honey. Here's here's my takeaway. <laughs> Do you so, burn it down, Smog? So there's eighty thousand bees, and you can kill them all for eight hundred bucks. Great deal. Honestly, we have like to. It is a great we deal. gotta go on the offensive. We have to start killing the bees. Dude, you don't you don't even need to, What's everyone's interactions kill? with bees? Think you about don't it. have they to sting ki- people. You don't they have cause to cause problems. Look, you if don't you see to... a bee, you got to go away. No, my dad was nearly killed by a swarm of bees this summer. Kill them all. You don't. Dude. You don't have to kill the bees. You get. You get a pack of Marlboro Reds. You get into that that uh, bathroom and you smoke them. You smoke them out. It doesn't work, dude. It doesn't work. I, you smoke them. I smoked That's... many a cigarette in my time. It doesn't. The bees don't care. They're trouble. We need an apiarist on the podcast <laughs> because an apiarist would tell you you can smoke them out. I don't trust any of these experts. <laughs> <laughs> it, would, it would be a strategy. Fuck that. <laughs> so, but if you, I, I mean, just saying, like in your home, Smug, if you were to pull out a tile and find 80,000 bees, you burn the place? I mean, I take very heavy-handed measures. <laughs> I look around at what's like valuable, and I'm like, how hard are we going right now? Oh, you got to find the queen. Find the queen. See, I, relocate the queen. There's no time. I'm a man of action. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so oh, good. Man. All right. So we've got more inflation news. I don't know if you want to talk about the pig pain. Do you, Smug, do you want to talk about the pig I, pain? I, happily, happily. So this is, and, and the name is wonderful. I, I could not be more tickled to hear this name. Pig Casso, I love it, sells paintings, or, or he sold a painting for 20,000 pounds. Pig Casso, this is, this is a pig, folks. This is a pig? This An is actual pig. pig? A, a real pig. Uh, the, the, the image that goes with this article is incredible. It says, Pig Casso's talent was discovered when she was rescued by an animal shelter in South Africa, and her owner describes her painting style as abstract expressionist. And there's this image of this pig with like a, 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 a paintbrush in its mouth going at it, like at the canvas. And here's the thing. This is, this is what's wild is. Painting's not bad. 
painting is really? not bad. I mean, it's not like the the animal, you know, the pig's not like painting people. It's you know, it's putting colors on paint. You know, if, if you're like a Rothko kind of person or something, you know, if you're. I mean, it's better than Hunter Biden. That's the thing. That's the thing. The pig, wow. The pig's not going to get Hunter Biden money. Smug, I'm looking at this video right now. There's talent. Yeah. The pig. I mean, it's it's it's. So it's, I've, it's, I've it's definitely say, a deliberate stroke. I'll put it right, that way. Right, right. It's definitely a deliberate and stroke. And he's not That's on crack cocaine. Important. You got to have and he's not, <laughs> And he, he doesn't seem to have a foot fetish at all. No. Mm-mm. I mean, it comes down to it. You know, Hunter Biden or the pig, more deliberate stroke. I'm going with the pig. Not on, cra- <laughs> not on crack cocaine. Wow. I wonder if that's the kind of pig that can multi Like, do you think that's the guy that can, like, he can eat human parts? I think this is a more art-focused pig. Like, I, I, I invite everyone, look up a friendly pig. This is something else. A friendly pig. But, I mean, the sad thing is it comes down to this, and I think this is really the problem with modern art is it's not about the art. Because if, if, you know, you put the Picasso head-to-head against Hunter Biden. Picasso you know, Nine wins. times out of ten, people yeah. pick Picasso. But me, personally, if I could get my hands on either piece, of course, I'd get a Hunter Biden. Do you know why? Because you can sell that. It's money laundering, folks. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> you think anyone thinks Hunter Biden is an artist? Why are people buying those paintings? You just got to, like, send a picture to Biden and be like, listen, man, I need this I got the bill. This Guess what? Man. You know, Disclaimer. Your sucks Disclaimer. Yeah, Smug time. is Satire not doing money laundering. We're laughing. We're laughing. We're laughing. Uh, I mean, let's be serious, folks. The pig has talent. That clown, Hunter, the- does not. The pig should get recognition, but you know what? Artists, they're never appreciating their time. That's right. Reward the pig. All right, so if you're anything like me, you've noticed when you're trying to prepare for the holidays, Mm -hmm. uh, if you're going to do some cooking at home, which I am as a grill dad, you went out shopping and trying to figure out, you know, like all the things you need. I always like to do a big beef tenderloin, like a massive one, right? Mm -hmm. Where I I butcher the thing myself. All right. Yeah, I just, I I do it all kind of in one. Um, it is three times, and I'm not making this up. This is my own experience. Yeah. This is not from any uh, thing that I've found online. It is three X what I paid for the same food last year. It's insane. So I, I was having this discussion with C Wright. Most folks know him as Costco Grill Dad. David C Wright. David C Wright. The prices on meat are beyond insane. Beyond insane. Like if you want to, if if you want to. Uh, uh, Get some, get some uh, pulled pork. If you want to smoke a pig, if you want to make some ribs, the prices that you are paying right now are astronomical. Minimal three x. Minimal. It's it's nuts. Like you can go, you can go to Costco. You can get some some food to feed a family of four, and you're paying like what you thought a nice, a very nice ritzy restaurant dinner would have cost a year ago. It's crazy. So here's my thing. Just take a step back. Why is that? No, me? It's because of Joe Biden. It's Joe Biden. It's 100% Joe Biden. There's nothing that has changed other than the supply chains that were affected by Joe Biden's policies and the currency change, which is affected by Joe Biden's policies. That's right. That has basically put us in the situation we're in. This is not a subjective thing. No. This is what if you're having family over and you're trying to figure out how to afford it. You got one person to blame. And, And I think it's very straightforward in the sense that this administration, there's video is telling you, number one. Pass, over the past year, they've been saying, listen, folks, inflation is transitory. It's going to be gone very soon. <laughs> they, they, were, they were bold enough to lie to your faces at the 4th of July and say, actually, you're saving money this year. Yeah, on you hot dogs. You saved six cents. Yeah, on hot you dogs. You can eat a hot dog. Yeah. You know, they really, they're really hoping that Americans, and the sad thing is a lot of these Dems, the way that it, it, they're accepting 
the failures of this administration. They're like, I would accept a future where all we have to do is eat like a veggie hot dog and, and huddle around a fire in a barrel. That that's that's actually in my idea, that's infrastructure. Infrastructure is paying four times as much for meat <laughs> and and worrying if you're gonna be able to get your kids Christmas present on time. I hope everyone out there is able to. Because me, I know personally, my happiest memories of childhood were Christmas, spending with my family. I got nice things. Wonderful as a kid. So Joe Biden making all these idiot mistakes, telling people, lying to their faces, inflation is transitory. Hey, folks, this uh, supply chain thing is going to work itself out. We just got a notice from uh, uh, the Port of Los Angeles that they've got a record number of ships. It's hit an all-time number. You know, Buttigieg is not doing his job, and it's not even because he doesn't have an excuse. He's not there anymore. He's there. There are more ships there, and they're having to double up and send more off-coast to just sit there because these people have no idea what they're doing. They go with one policy, and then they try pulling it back. Like I think they tried saying that, oh, we're going to mandate every company in America now has to start being vaccinated. What's that going to do to the supply chain? We're seeing it in real time. Well, there's a war on Christmas. That's very clear. There's a war on Christmas. And the latest poll, and this was in the dailyrecord.com, is that more Republicans, Trump supporters, and Hispanic Americans said they believe that American Christmas is under attack. Nearly 4 in 10 Americans surveyed said politicians are trying to remove the religious elements of the Christian holiday that uh, commemorates the birth of Jesus, according to the poll administered by Fairleigh Dickinson University. So this is not like some uh, right-wing poll. Yeah, And, and I have to personally say I completely agree with that. I think, I mean, it's hard not to see. Yeah. Hard not to see. It's happening everywhere. I mean, whenever I, I make it a very clear point, the day after Thanksgiving, anytime I say goodbye to anyone, I say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And, and if anyone sends me like a, a reply or an email or something that says Merry Xmas, I say Merry Christmas, C-H-R-I-S-T in caps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Listen, fellas, I think we've done a little banger here. We're not done for the week. We're going to give you a little something extra. We're going to give you uh, another episode. I think we're the hardest working men in show Seriously. business at this point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're going to drop an episode that's going to come out on Christmas Eve. That's That says a lot. So, you know, I got to say, another banger of an episode, folks. Outstanding work, Holmes, giving us that strategy months ago, you called it. Uh, and folks, get ready for that Christmas Eve episode. So, until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless. When you drive the brand ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power, you can stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see yourself behind the wheel of the brand ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Kia received the fewest reported problems among all brands in the J.D. Power 2022 U.S. Vehicle Dependability Study based on 2019 models. See JDPower.com awards for 2022 details.